Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 24th of March. The rain is starting to ease, but evacuation orders are still in place for many parts of New South Wales and southeast Queensland as the flood crisis continues to unfold. The next 24 hours are critical, with the danger far from over. Some of the key areas of concern across New South Wales today are the Colo River north of Sydney, the Hawkesbury, and residents are also on standby in Singleton in the Hunter Valley with floodwaters expected to rise. Agatara Milska from the Bureau of Meteorology says people must remain on alert. Even though we will have that blue sky and sunshine returning, flooding will be continuing and the flood risk will continue. We also have warnings for damaging winds. And with everything so saturated, it really won't take much to be bringing down potentially trees which can block roads, um, take down power lines. Meantime, almost half a year's worth of rain has fallen in just two days in southeast Queensland, causing flash flooding. The wet weather system is now heading towards the south coast of New South Wales and into Victoria, and we'll have more details from our reporters from both Queensland and New South Wales on the flood crisis shortly. Also making news this morning, Prime Minister Scott Morrison has apologised over an extraordinary attack on a journalist during a news conference yesterday. When questioned about his handling of the sexual assault allegations and the toxic boys club culture in Canberra, Mr Morrison fired back. Right now, you'd be aware in your own organisation that there is a person who has had a complaint made against them for harassment of a woman in a women's toilet. And that matter is being pursued by your own HR department. So, well, you're not aware of it. So let's not, all of us who sit in glass houses here, start getting into that. News Corp has denied it's dealing with any sexual harassment claim, saying the allegations were simply untrue. The Prime Minister later expressed deep regret over his insensitive response. The outburst overshadowed the Prime Minister's attempts to apologise for recent events, including rape allegations and bombshell revelations this week that Liberal Party staff members engaged in lewd acts in female colleagues' offices and then shared the images. Mr Morrison promising to clean up the culture in Canberra and make Australia a safer place for women. Criticise me, if you like, for speaking about my daughters, that they are the centre of my life. My wife is the centre of my life. My mother, my widowed mother, is the centre of my life. They motivate me every day on this issue. But some members of the PM's own Liberal Party have lashed out at Mr Morrison. Long-serving New South Wales Liberal MP Catherine Cusack says she is appalled with her party's treatment of women on social media, saying, quote, Dear Prime Minister, I know you love your family, but you clearly don't understand anything about our political experiences. A stance echoed by Federal Industry Minister Karen Andrews, who says she's had a gutful of how women are treated in Parliament and wants the Liberal Party to introduce quotas. Here's the Minister on 7.30. It's not an inclusive environment for women. We work differently. Uh, We behave quite differently in, in Parliament. Some of that is clearly intentional. Some of it is not. But the The impact is that uh, many women here do feel quite socially uh, isolated. 
And the US president is calling for urgent action on gun control in the US after another mass shooting. Ten people were killed, including a police officer who was a father of seven at a supermarket in Colorado. A suspect has been charged with first-degree murder. Joe Biden says the events are horrific and is now calling on Congress to pass an assault weapons ban. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common sense steps that will save the lives in the future and to urge my colleagues in the House and Senate to act. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again. The Senate should immediately pass, let me say it again, the United States Senate, I hope some are listening, should immediately pass the two House passed bills that close loopholes in the background check system. These are bills that receive votes of both Republicans and Democrats in the House. This is not and should not be a partisan issue. This is an American issue. It will save lives. It's the seventh mass killing in the U.S. this year. And today marks one year since the UK first entered lockdown during the COVID-19 pandemic. Healthcare staff gathering outside hospitals to mark the anniversary with a minute's silence. The death toll in the UK from coronavirus now stands at more than 126,000. Meantime, in what's being hailed as a major step forward in Australia's response to the pandemic, more than 800,000 locally made doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine have been given the green light by the Therapeutic Goods Administration for use across Australia. The batches were undergoing final testing and have now been approved. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Wednesday morning. To New South Wales and the sun may be starting to shine, but the danger is far from over in the state as the flood crisis continues. Our reporter Siobhan Caulfield has the latest from Sydney. Well, Tash, the rain has eased and skies are clearing across Sydney, but the flood crisis is far from over. Parts of our state have been soaked with eight months' worth of rain in the space of one week after seven days of relentless torrential downpours. There's major flooding at North Richmond and Windsor, as well as the Colo River. Elana Penderose from the SES says a lot of river levels are going to take some time to go down. Certainly around areas like the Hawkesbury, Nepean Valley, you are looking at at least a couple of days, if not more, until the river levels get back down to an acceptable um, level where we can go in, assess the situation and um, either give people the all clear to go back in or reassess. Almost 12,000 people have lodged insurance claims, while there's been more than 11,000 calls for help across the state and over 900 flood rescues since this weather event began. Today, nearly 140 schools will be closed across the state again, while major roads remain flooded. Sydney side has urged to take care. To Queensland now, and a massive clean-up is underway after another day of wild weather in the state south. But as David Shiraz reports from Brisbane, a number of flood warnings are still in place. Good morning, Tash. Well, sunshine is on the way today. However, southeast Queensland is still on alert, dealing with the aftermath of these storms. All this rainfall causing swelling in rivers and creeks with emergency flood alerts issued for Bow Desert and Leyburn, with residents told to collect their belongings and move to higher ground. An updated thunderstorm warning last night for parts of the Central Highlands, Coalfields, Wide Bay, Burnett and Darling Downs, as well as the Granite Belt area. A major flood warning also issued for the Logan River and a moderate flood warning for the Albert River. 
Meanwhile, Gold Coast residents were earlier yesterday issued a watch and act alert as heavy rainfall continued to lash the city and pose a flooding risk. It's hoped all that risk starts to subside now as the weather event passes the region. To Victoria now, and there are fears hundreds of thousands of jobs could go, with the JobKeeper Wage Subsidy Program coming to an end next week. As James Lake reports from Melbourne, Victoria has the highest number of residents in the country relying on the assistance scheme. It's an unfortunate title to have, but not surprising as well, since Victoria also took the biggest economic hit from the pandemic. Just over 380,000 Victorian workers are still having their pay subsidised by JobKeeper and around 300,000 of those positions are in Metro Melbourne. Canberra changed the rules last year to make it easier for business to restructure and then make themselves viable once the subsidy ended. But only three businesses in the whole country have appointed restructuring experts to help them continue. Now, so that leaves more questions than answers today about how many jobs could go next week once the wages bill is back in the hands of bosses. Thankfully, it does come just as Victoria relaxes more COVID restrictions from Friday, which will bring more workers back into the city offices from next week and pump fresh cash into many sectors of the economy. Tasmania has become the third Australian state to approve voluntary assisted dying. Reporter Rachel Burke has more from Hobart. Tasmania has become the third Australian state to approve voluntary assisted dying after laws passed through state parliament overnight. Lower House MPs voted 16 to 6 in favour of the legislation just before 10pm. It allows people who are suffering from advanced, incurable and irreversible conditions which are expected to cause their death within six months to end their own lives. The legislation is expected to take up to 18 months to implement. It's the fourth attempt to pass such laws, ultimately proving successful after failed bids in 2009, 2013 and 2017. Victoria and WA are the only other states to pass the laws. Now for the latest in business and finance news this morning, we're joined by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. And Scott, good morning now. We all love a bit of help trying to put together the IKEA furniture and talking about those jobs around the house, Airtasker, what an incredible start for the company on the Australian Stock Exchange with its debut. Uh, good morning. Yeah, saving time, probably saving relationships too, just <laughs> quietly. My, my wife and I knew we were destined to be together when we managed to put an IKEA bookshelf together. Only months into our then new relationship, so that said something about us. But, but generally speaking, we might have taken the lower risk option of having Airtasker do it for us. Of course, this is the on-demand gig economy idea you're literally jumping online and help getting finding people that can help you do household things and that can be literally anything that can be done uh, and you can pay for you can ask for the company listed on the asx yesterday shares at one point up 78 percent end up being up 60 percent on the day which is still a phenomenal listing this is now a half a billion dollar company that basically match makes people who need ikea furniture put together and those very very few of us who can actually do it well <laughs> Feel like you've achieved so much putting that together. Also yeah. making news today, Scott Star Entertainment could join Crown's private equity suitor in a higher bid. Yeah, this is fascinating. So Blackstone Group has already got a 10% stake in Crown and they lodged a, a takeover offer only a couple of days out from the Royal Commission beginning into Crown's fitness to hold a casino licence. Now, of course, uh, they have some casinos in other territories and other countries, but in this case, it would make a whole lot of sense if Star Entertainment there would be cross-town rival. Of course, the uh, Barangaroo Casino not yet opening for Crown, but effectively they'd be in the same space and there is some mention, some some thought that maybe Star could be coaxed into it rather than having a cashed up private equity competitor. 
If you can't beat them, join them. And the two together would probably be better for both parties if they're not competing with each other for the gambling dollar. And Scott, we've spoken about this many times, you know, the concerns about JobKeeper ending this month and will it see many jobs go? And a high-profile hospitality collapse has been announced as that JobKeeper nears its end. Yeah, this one is really tough. So George Gregan, of course, the former Australian rugby captain and his former wife, have a a whole lot of uh, businesses, restaurant businesses, cafe businesses. That was put into administration over the weekend. And amongst the concerns, of course, we know COVID itself has kept people out of CBD areas where a lot of those uh, facilities are but also the company themselves flagging the end of JobKeeper. And one of those things about going into administration, if you can see yourself down the track not being able to pay your bills, then you can't trade while they say insolvent. In other words, if you don't know you can't, we don't think you can pay your bills, you've got to shut up shop. And the company basically saying, look, we looked forward, saw the end of JobKeeper, saw that customers aren't coming back quickly enough. We don't think we can pay our debts. And unfortunately, that business has had to go into administration. They've got nine sites. They're going to close at least a couple. The administrator is hoping to keep six open. But this is, look, I'm not a doom and gloom guy. I'm not a pessimist. But this is a bit of a taste of things that may come in the next couple of months as JobKeeper rolls off. So do you think it will be as bad as some are predicting then? No, I don't. I actually think it'll be okay. There will be some really uh, targeted, isolated closures. The CBD areas are far more vulnerable than anything else. The suburbs are kicking along. If you've been out and about around the country, effectively, at least when the floods aren't around, Mm. um, the suburban and and regional centres are doing really, really well. But people aren't going back to the city yet for work. And that's there are so many restaurants and cafes normally buzzing. If you take 20, 30, 40% of their business away, you just can't stay open. And I think that's the problem. There's so many in those CBD areas. That's where the pain will be felt, unfortunately. Especially when you don't get JobKeeper. You got it. Scott, thanks so much. Thanks, Ash. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas and Brett. Two star halfbacks have been named to play this weekend despite battling concussion. Good morning, Tash. Yeah, let's start with the Panthers. They have named Nathan Cleary to take on the Storm in tomorrow night's grand final rematch. He is recovering from that high shot against the Bulldogs. Uh, now, Mark Guy is expecting him to take the field. The club will wait until game day to make the final call. I expected Penrith to do as much. They'll wait until the 11th hour to name their side, which they've got every right to do. They would know now. I think Ivan would know now whether Nathan's going to be up for the game or not. If it was a betting man, which I am, um, I would say that he'll play. So Matt Burton has been named on the bench. He would slide into that halfback role, partner Jerome uh, Luai, if Nathan Cleary isn't past fit. Of course, a lot of talk about Matt Burton, given he is signed with the Bulldogs for next season. At the Rabbitohs, Adam Reynolds has an extra day to recover before they face the Roosters on Friday night. He, of course, is recovering from his own HIA test. His teammate Benji Mar- Marshall believes he should be fit to play. Renault will be sweet. I'll just be sitting from the bench watching the boys play for about 40 and see what happens. Yeah, Benji is on the bench there as well. A pretty uh, handy backup if Adam Reynolds isn't past fit. Just in some other team news as well, Tash, the Tigers have dropped Joey Leilua. Uh, they play in Newcastle, the Knights of Newcastle, on Sunday. He has struggled since being shifted to the left edge alongside his brother. His future also remains in doubt. Uh, he is contracted only until the end of this year. His contract for next year is a club option, so there's no guarantee that they would trigger that, of course coming across from the Canberra Raiders uh, at the end of last year. And Brett, the AFL Tribunal, gosh, has come down very hard on Cats superstar Patrick Dangerfield. 
Yes, the tribunal uh, meeting last night, Patrick Dangerfield uh, sent directly for that bump on Jake Kelly. It caused significant uh, injuries to the Crows defender as well, a former housemate of uh, Paddy Dangerfield. He was concussed, lost uh, consciousness and suffered a broken nose as well. So they were always going to come down hard on this. Despite it being a clash of heads, when you elect to bump, then you are responsible for the damage that you do cause. Now, Siri made an appearance last night at the tribunal. Of course, the Apple search tool, Dangerfield's Council uh, said that the grading of severe for the incident, well, there's no definition of that in the AFL's rule book. So he uh, mentioned a couple of different definitions, including one from uh, Siri. Of course, that wasn't uh, bought by the AFL tribunal. They disagreed. They did believe that that incident was severe. Here is Paddy Dangerfield speaking uh, after he was handed a three-match ban. Look, the game's a collision game. There's accidents that happen. It's still a, a really difficult game to officiate and to play at different stages. So there'll always be different incidents that occur. There'll still be a place for the bump within the game, but we've got to be respectful of you know minimising contact to the head where possible. It is a big loss for the Cats. Of course, they suffered an upset loss to the Crows in round one. They've got the Lions on Friday night uh, at their home ground in Geelong, and then they've got the Hawks and the Demons after that. Now, we heard from Paddy there, who said that the bump isn't dead, well, Bulldogs coach Luke Beveridge does agree. So there's a time when, you know, there's a ball there to be won, and sometimes, you know, the, the bump, and as long as you're intense to get the ball, it's still part of our game. But as we've seen, you have to get it spot on, because even if there's an accidental clash of heads, uh, you can still cop a three-match ban, as Paddy Dangerfield did last night. Yeah, and Brett, sometimes series wrong, especially with directions on the road. She can often be wrong, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't rely on Siri. <laughs> Brett, thank you. Thanks, Tash. Checking the all-important weather details around the country now this Wednesday morning. And as we reported earlier, that wet weather system is starting to move south down the coast of Australia. Possible storms, though, still around for Brisbane today. Showers and 32. The sun is set to shine today. Very different situation for Sydney, a top of 30. Showers for Melbourne, 19. Shower or two on the way for Canberra, 21. Rain and possible heavy falls in Hobart today, 19, the expected top. Shower or two on the way for Adelaide, also 23. Beautiful sunny day on the way today this Wednesday for Perth, top of 27, and showers and storms on the way for Darwin with a top of 31. And from royal to tech executive, Prince Harry has landed a job in Silicon Valley. The Duke of Sussex has been employed as the chief impact officer of a Los Angeles-based startup company called BetterUp. BetterUp offers its clients coaching and mental health services. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda. In your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning, you can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.